Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You see, whilst all the other cultaholic lads are dissecting 30 plus hours of WWE television every week, we are here via our IcoPro powered DeLorean back in the mid 90s where we get maybe one hour a week. Mwah! Perfect amount. And who be we? I be fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, reigning cultaholic heavyweight champion Tom Campbell, joined by the bear in the big blue bar cage, the head pen of cultaholic. Doesn't need a pencil. He gets it right every time. There's Justin Henry, and he is off of America. I'm supposed to have recorded this approximately 11 hours ago, but things came up, and well, here we are. It's almost one in the morning my time. You're, you're about awake for as long as I am normally asleep. In terms so of time. You sleep 16 hours a day? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's an out-and-out out lie, but never mind. Hey, Justin, where and when are we this week? Uh, we are live in Bushkill, Pennsylvania. It is January 31st, 1994. It is the day after Super Bowl 28, as was hinted at in the opening by a certain guest color commentator who I think may have set a new negative standard for the Barlahina scale or the crushing scale. But we'll decide at the end of the show. Oh, we will get to that very, very soon, yes. First two things. One, I came across my favorite anecdote ever in the history of WWE Raw results. A few days after this, these tapings took place, which is Monday, January 31st, here on Thursday, February 3rd of 1994... They're supposed to run a, a live event in Fredericton, New Brunswick, which is in eastern Canada. This is the following note in, in italics. Here it says, Cancelled because the ring was accidentally sent to Halifax, Nova Scotia instead. The show what? was rescheduled for 11 days later. That's amazing. Imagine getting to a house show and finding out the ring is in a different province. <laughs> Somebody got sacked over that. You know it, don't you? <laughs> And the people who stack that person have since been sacked as well. Oh, gosh almighty. Imagine that happening. Mind you, mind you, I've been to a wrestling show where they had a no ring night where they wrestled without a ring, which I believe was an attempt to cut down overheads. <laughs> we had to sell the ropes off. Think of the money you saved by not having a ring. So what do they wrestle on instead of the ring? Just the cold, hard, unforgiving floor of a nightclub. <laughs> but I bet there was a lot of bumping that night. Oh God! Do you know what? There was a. It felt a bit world of sport esque because there was a lot of like long headlocks and and, and taunting from the crowd. Old Jim Alundo's George Hackenschmidt classics from 1926. <laughs> oh, I remember that night when Luthez and George Hackenschmidt had that match in a in a nightclub called Tramps. That was good times. The golden era of wrestling. <laughs> well, speaking of the golden era in wrestling, albeit not in a sarcastic way, uh, now would be a good time for us to pay tribute in, in, to an extent to the now late great Harley Race, who passed away earlier on Thursday at the age of 76. Um, I, I started watching a little bit after Harley's prime in the business, and, and 
I'll just say the very least, I, I started watching in 89, so Harley was kind of playing out the string at that point, but I've come to appreciate just what an amazing performer he was, just through hindsight, seeing all his old matches with Ric Flair, seeing some of those, watching his uh, title whenever Terry Funk in 1977 when he won with an Indian Deathlock, which is something you want to see a lot in modern day. But Harley, just looking back on him, he was the epitome of the tough guy wrestler. Like he was someone that you could tell wasn't, and uh, I mean that's an insult, but he was he he wasn't a cosmetic um, no, champion. No, he, he was there to look pretty. He he just he was the badass next door, the guy who wasn't the biggest guy. I mean, I've been the strongest guy, but you wouldn't mess with him under any circumstances. He just had that demeanor about him that he carried as a villain wrestler, and I think that's uh. That's something you don't see often in, in a lot of wrestlers these days. It's just a sort of gravitas. I think it's a quality that Harley possessed possibly more than any other wrestler that's ever lived. And that might be uh, possibly a stretch. But when I think of Harley Race, I think of that toughness first and how everybody affirmed it through stories and just I how he carried It's that It's that sort of tough nature that when he went to the WWF and, and they made him the king of the ring... And he had the crown and the robe and all that. It didn't... I mean, he, he worked with it, but it didn't feel like Harley. And when I, I, and I, when I was growing up, my only understanding of Harley Race was his time in the WWF. And I was like, right. this, this guy just gets bounced around quite a bit. I don't understand. It's only looking back and, as you say, seeing that toughness that came from Harley Race and that, that gravitas and, and that just just that, that mean streak. That was when mm -hmm. I fell in love with what Harley Race was doing. He was there warts and all, and he was just the embodiment of the tough guy wrestler. And no one epitomized it better than him. His promo work was, was something very different. Yeah, because it was, yeah, it was, they weren't like loud, shouty promos a lot of the time. A lot of the time, he just mm. spoke at his own pace and he just got out what he needed to get out. And it's fascinating to listen to a Harley Race promo because it is a, it's a, it's a standard unto itself. Mm -hmm. He had a way of intimidating you without even having to raise his voice. It's so true. And he would, and it would be, he, that was a good impression, by the way. I like that. Oh, I'm a fan of that. He would just look, lean into the mic and just say, like, I've been world champion seven times. And I'll tell you this. I will be eight-time NWA champion before the week is over, Flair. It's just all the pace and the slowness of it. I loved it. There is a story that Mick Foley told in his first book about what he calls the... Uh, I think it was the fear of Harley, or or, or just like a, like a, the Harley person. I can't remember what he called it exactly. He, 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 I think it was he put the fear of Harley in people when he had to. <laughs> the story was Cactus versus Vader. I think it was Vader. It was at some untelevised event in in the state of Maryland, and I think the rule was, if a wrestler bled inside the ring, the athletic commission had to pay for the injury, you know, to be sewed up or whatever. But if it happened outside the ring, it was out of their hands. You had to pay for it yourself. It got busted open. He hit his head on the guardrail at one point. So, you know, he, he's so well, he has to pay for it himself. So he's stitched up in the locker room, and Harley tells the attending physician it was a headbutt inside the ring. <laughs> and, and, and the physician says, no, come on, Harley. He hit his head on the rail. And Harley just goes, I said it was a headbutt. And it was inside the ring. <laughs> sure enough, Mick Foley did not pay for that, for the medical care. <laughs> God love you, Harley. Godspeed. You know a man is tough when Bobby Heenan says that the only two men in the world that Andre the Giant feared were Haku and Harley Race. Wow, I didn't know he. I didn't know. I knew he feared Haku. I didn't know he feared Harley Race. But that makes sense. There was there's a there is um, a little video doing the rounds since the announcement of his passing, of Harley Race body slamming Andre the Giant, mm -hmm. like it's nothing. So you can shut <laughs> up, Hogan. <laughs> I'm gonna slam you tonight. No, oh, boss, I'm gonna keep my mystique. I said I'm gonna slam you tonight. <laughs> I meant that's how it went. God love him. 
Miss God rest his soul, one of the absolute all-time greats in this business. Eight-time NWA champion, and that was back in an era when you had to be a tough guy to be champion, and then just give it to some pushover. Shall we crack on with this roll here? I think we absolutely should. I will say there is nothing on this show that is, that is as cool as Harley Race. No. There is nothing as cool as Harley Race on this show. But we'll, we'll persevere none the same. It's what he would have wanted us to do. And remember, if you start bleeding during this show, you, it was from a headbutt in the ring. Yes. Even from, from the eyes from uh, just watching this show. This was like... Remember last week how we were saying that it, it was like the leftover show? Scraping the bottom of the... Uh, of the tin foil containers, you know, the steam trays of just what's left. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a sad buffet show last week. Well, this week's show, it's live, so this is the first show of the cycle. You think, you know, it's going to be a major event. They're coming off the Rumble. This is the first fresh material post-Rumble. This felt like the third hour of a taping with just one big angle put in. Yeah, it, I mean, the angle felt like the most exciting part of the whole night, really. It's just a very uh, nothing-happening show for the most part. And it's not helped any by the very, 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 very dull commentary. It was... Oh, God. I mean, our guest commentator this week, I think, as you alluded to at the beginning, did set a brand-new low bar for the, uh, for the, for the scale. Yes, it's, uh, it's Vince McMahon. He is joined by Erwin R. Scheister. Oh, I wrote my notes here. I hate that. I hate this new format for WWE Network. <laughs> okay. We know they upgraded it like last week. Yeah. It's hard. It's harder to scroll through stuff now. It, 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 it's so disorienting. I think it made me hate this show even more. Uh, but what I noticed is that they put um, little snippets you can just jump to in little squares beneath the video. So I saw a square that said... IRS leaves commentary, and I thought, oh, okay, well, at least he's not here for that long. And it turned out to be a red herring. Oh, yes, he, he, he does come back. I know, it's so sad. But yeah, he's, um, I think the fact that within the, in the opening segment, within like a minute, he'd made three tax jokes. I'm like, this yes. is, this is, this is going to be in it. This is our life now. Rick Rotunda may have been a smooth wrestler in many ways, but in other aspects of life, he is not a natural. Absolutely not. I did like how the opening we have. Well, the big angle for this show we have we have discussed this. You see, Bret Hart and Lex Luger both have claims for a world title match because Co won the Royal Rumble. So in this day and age, we have two men who have a right to face the world champion. What do you book? Well. I, I, if, if it were me, I'd book a triple threat match in this day and age. But this isn't an option now. Oddly enough, oddly enough, the following weekend, ECW was the first ever three-way dance. So the idea is like in that in that era, the idea is floating around. Yes, it was Sabu, Terry Funk, and Shane Douglas in, in an event that was known as the night the line was crossed. And it's on the WWE Network if you want to watch it. Is this the match that went like an hour time limit draw? Yes. No, I know it. I know it. I will say as someone who enjoyed that match in the day, it might not hold up as much as it once did, but it's still very, very uh, influential. Because it, it was the original triangle match, three-way dance, whatever you wanted to call it back in the day. And it kind of did put E7 on the map a little bit. That was also the, also the evening in which a young Tommy Dreamer kicked I kicked out of Jimmy Snooker's Superfly Splash and Snooker cussed him out. I, oh, yes. This is this is the... I have, I've only heard of that bit. I've never seen it. But now I know I can watch it on the network. I may have to make some time to watch it. Maybe the first big ECW show ever. Quite possibly. And, and it's definitely there. So we have this... Uh, it is not going to be a triple threat match because this has not entered WWE Lexicon yet. But I said we have a very, very interesting concept, and I actually, and I gotta say, it made WrestleMania better, sort of. Brett and Luger are, are each gonna face Yokozuna in one-on-one, or, or face the world champion for that matter in one-on-one matches at WrestleMania. And so, and so there'll be a coin flip to determine who will face the champion first. 
Will it be Lex or will it be Brett? But whoever loses the coin toss does not just face you know a, a worn-down champion. He must face suitable competition earlier in the evening. If Brett loses the toss, he faces Owen. If Lex loses the toss, he faces Crush. And let me just say in advance, this is the only time in history that I've ever been happy that Lex Luger defeated Bret Hart at anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I, this is the first time for me that I'd seen what the alternative could have possibly been, which would have been Luger and Crush. I mean, I like which... I like the whole setup of you know if you're gonna if if the champ's gonna wrestle two matches, then you're gonna wrestle two matches. Yes. So it's a very interesting concept. And uh, we have uh, this little graphic of the coin with Bret Hart's head on one side and Lex Luger's head on the other. And, and, Vince, and Vince informs us that a flip on a coin will determine their fate because it's a new country for McMen. <laughs> Watch Lex Luger's eyes in this particular promo because he looks so shifty and so, as per Lex Luger, so uncomfortable in his own skin. Well, like he look, he's, he, they've been told him just to look straight ahead, which he does, and then he looks to the camera, and then he looks away just before it fades out. Like he looks so uncomfortable, just standing still. No, he was doing his impression of Susanna Hoffs in the "Walk Like an Egyptian" video. <laughs> Is that what he was doing? Uh, Walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> that makes sense now. <laughs> he's the Narsa Bangle. <laughs> John, this. John, this time I'm going to ask you to do something opposite of what I would ask. I don't want you to draw this because I don't want you to ruin Susanna Hoffs for me. Do it anyway, John. No, do not, John. Don't listen to Tom. <laughs> so, we're, we're here in Bushkill, or, or as Vince will say, we're nestled in the Poconos because that's a bigger tourist attraction than Bushkill, Pennsylvania. Is that a real saying? Uh, what the... But the Poconos? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, it's a big-time ski resort in northeastern Pennsylvania. Ah, okay. So it is a thing. It's a big it's a big winter uh, uh, vacation destination, yes. People love to go skiing there. It, it's it's known only for that, pretty much. So uh, Iris is here to do guest commentary. And already Vince and him have the chemistry of... Let's see, how would you describe their chemistry, Tom? It is the it is the chemistry of a boss telling one of his employees, "Can you do commentary for an hour?" <laughs> that's the that's the best way to describe it. Uh, IRS is like IRS hasn't got a bad voice. He has got, a, but this mm. is not his wheelhouse at all because mm. he's aware that the IRS character, in terms of Mike stuff, is like a line. As you're walking down to the ring, hey you tax cheats, do that for an hour. What? No, no, that's a terrible idea. It works for it works for eight seconds. Why make me do it for an hour? If you're out there watching and you've never seen IRS before, turn on this show and remind yourself that this is Bray Wyatt's father. It's yeah, it, it certainly is. There's no denying it. The father of the fiend is who maybe the most the most interesting performer on WWE t television right now. Someone who can captivate an audience, and his dad is playing a very monotone tax man. The thing is, like, Im imagine. All I'm thinking now is Vince putting the fiend on commentary. <laughs> With Michael Cole. Yeah, with my, obviously with Michael Cole, so he can scream in the ears of both of them. <laughs> I think it's the Fiend would answer back. <laughs> you know, the Fiend would just sit there and go, let me in. <laughs> that would definitely enhance most matches. Very true. So Iris gets his, Iris gets in his one topical reference that actually makes sense because it is the day after the Super Bowl. It talks about the Buffalo Bills losing and how the loser's shirt's going to be available, how the loser coin toss will get one of them. Buffalo Bills world champion shirt. <laughs> this is not a good time for the Buffalo Bills. They went to four straight Super Bowls and lost four straight Super Bowls. Oh, it's, you kind of want to applaud them for do, getting to four, but then you kind of want to laugh at them for failing each time. 
Uh, yeah, they're known for their futility streak. They've never won a Super Bowl. Those are the only four they were ever in. They were all consecutive. This was the end of the line, and they lost all four. It's oh, uh, and it, it almost makes up for. It's almost a step up from having O.J. Simpson on the team back in the seventies. <laughs> oh, I forgot that happened. Nah. I just had a thought. This is 1994. I wonder how many O.J. jokes we're going to get throughout the year once we hit June well, onward. We've had a couple so far, and there's a big one coming at WrestleMania 12, but that's quite a way away. Yeah. But, I mean, in 94, it was all over the news. So, you know, Vince, in his, in his desperate grasp at uh, newspaper headlines, might have been all over that. I just don't know how much in hindsight. We'll have to listen very carefully because Vince McMahon can be incredibly subtle. Oh, oh, sure, absolutely. Vince so is so uh... subtle, the most <laughs> subtle. You really got to read between the lines of Vince. He's like a human riddle box. <laughs> so we start off with a rematch from the very end of 1993: Martin Jannetty versus John Polo. He was supposed to be the one-two-three kid in this match, but he busted his leg in the Madison Square Garden Rumble before the actual Rumble, the Rumble before the Rumble. Oh, the fake Rumble. Indeed, and Kid is wearing quite the attire on this show. Got a leather jacket over a flannel shirt, over a muscle tee, and a Monday Night Raw baseball cap. I mean, the 90s aren't a time that we particularly look back on and smile at the fashion in any sense. But this was a look that the one, two, three kid and Marty Jannetty had on the go here. All he was missing was Zubaz. Oh, Zubaz would have made that look complete. And a fanny pack. <laughs> and a Ribera jacket over top of the leather jacket. That is the ultimate I, I am a wrestler and I have been overseas look. It's, yeah, I've been traveling. Look at me. Let, let me tell you some stories. <laughs> no, stay away from him. It occurred to me at this point in the show that IRS is basically a less high strung Frank Grimes. <laughs> You tax sheets have lobsters every night, and you've been on the space shuttle, and your son owns a factory. <laughs> Polo believes Kid isn't hurt. They, 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 he's just backing out of the match. Polo informs Janae that he stinks because that's the big insult you can use in 1994. So Marty hits him with the mic because he's a jerk. Yeah, Janae was really heelish at the very beginning. Well, I mean, he was told that he stung, which is, uh, I mean, that would drive me to madness. Get a cute bit where Marty wraps the microphone cord around Polo's ankles. Polo tries to throw punches at him while not moving his legs, falls down. It's decent comedy. Yeah, I, I just thought, what a, what, a cheat, what a cheating way to start the match. But then I guess they're so angry with Johnny Polo anyway. Like, what, what, that's the least that we can expect that he, that he deserves from them. We get some wild bumps in this match where Polo takes a backdrop in the aisle way. And then we get a spot in the ring where Polo tries for a back body drop. Marty goes about seven feet to the left of him. And it ends up being like... It's like a, a collision detection error on, on one of the SmackDown games. Like you hit tall someone, but they're like behind you. And somehow like he completes the motion anyway. It was, uh, it was very awkward. I don't know if you saw that part. Yeah, there was. It, it didn't feel like it didn't feel quite natural, that whole bit. And, and speaking of not natural, uh, we still have IRS on commentary on this show. Oh God, he's still going. I'm trying to push him out of the head a little bit. He keeps taunting kid in the course of this match. Although Vin, although Vince did say that backdrop, pretty sloppy job of it, nonetheless effective. <laughs> it's the American dream right there. Some li <laughs> get that not on a mug. Not Dusty Rhodes, just seeing. Not that American dream. I mean, I mean the actual American dream of, of getting paid for doing your job no matter how shoddily done. Pretty sloppy job, but it was effective. Vince uh, tells us that 57% of the phone voters thought Brett won the Rumble. I'm <laughs> so sure that made him. When it's 50%, then surely that means like two people rang in. <laughs> well, 57%, that could be. Uh... Yeah. I'm Actually, not that it's good 57, at 57, so I thought it was 50. No, yeah. 
Two people rang in. Uh, more than two people rang in then. Fifty-seven <laughs> percent thinks Brett won it, and forty-three percent thinks Luger lost. <laughs> Heads you go, tails I'll stay. <laughs> One half loves Brett, the other half hates Lex. <laughs> the crowd was very divided that night. So this is just the match. It's not as cool as there's a December match when Puller hit the mega suicide dive where he went flying over the ropes. That doesn't happen here. Very basic. Puller takes control late, but Marty finishes it with the rocker dropper. Iris thinks the move should be banned because, you know, Charles Austin was suing the company at that point. Well, that's not why. I did think it was funny that Iris was talking about how that move could hurt someone and needed to get rid of it. Well, yeah. <laughs> Is that not the point of wrestling? I don't want to skip too far ahead here, but Survivor Series 95, Marty hits them on skip. And Mr. Perfect says, you're going to break somebody's neck doing that. <laughs> I'm sure throw Vince to no end. So after the match, Kid and Iris are still having a little row with Vince in between them. Iris gets up and sh and, and slugs, slugs Kid because Iris has that briefcase with him. And... We know he stole the gold back in, like, 1986 or whenever it was. It was a long time ago. It's Razor Ramon's uh, gold gold chains, necklaces, all that stuff. So a big skirmish breaks out. Marty hit tax IRS. Kid imagine the hobble off with the briefcase, and no one could catch him even though he's wearing a cast. Uh, that the was the bit I found funny, was the IRS desperately wanted his, his briefcase back, couldn't catch up with a guy basically wearing a metal pole around his leg. Yeah, kid hobbles away with his briefcase and gets away. Much of the the appearance of Razor Ramon does help. It does help because after the break, we never Iris is still pissed because he can't mind his briefcase because you know kid was a so lightning fast he just sped away. Iris is yelling at the officials at ringside, including Pat Patterson. Pat yells, "Get back at, yells, get back to your position," because that's because because he wants to hear Iris on commentary, unlike anybody else. But no, he goes to the aisle way, IRS. And he's confronted by the world's toughest street gang, Razor Ramon, IRS, and a, I'm sorry, Razor, Janetti, and 123 Kid. What a bunch of lads. Rumblefish, they ain't. <laughs> they are the cool boys. <laughs> We're going to call them the cool boys. <laughs> I see where this is going. Yeah, I feel like they need to be a gang called the cool boys that in decades to come can... Um, could inspire Seth Rollins on how to be cool. If only, if only all three of them come to the entranceway, snapping their fingers in unison, <laughs> with their caps on backwards. Some of them riding <laughs> skateboards, because that's no, how you that. are cool. I'm talking West Side Story. Wow, that's even cooler than what I'm thinking. <laughs> We're gonna have a dance fight in the aisle. With. <laughs> <laughs> we the sharks, Chico. <laughs> so back at the table Vince and Iris are arguing which is I think the precursor to Corey Graves and Renee Young arguing same, same chemistry meanwhile some jobber's been staying in the ring for like 15 minutes just walking around watching this whole thing play out and getting paid for it but before we can watch him wrestle we have Jack Tunney oh here comes the Tunney Oh, Jack Tunney in fine form tonight. So Jack Tunney goes through the the rules of of wrestle. Well, basically goes through the format for WrestleMania and the the what could happen whether the coin flips heads or tails. Um, I think personally, right, it's a bad call for Mike Tunney making Yokozuna wrestle twice. Who's Mike Tunney? Oh, it's uh, Jack Tunney. <laughs> Fair enough. I knew who I meant. <laughs> His lesser known brother. John, can you Photoshop Mike Tunney? Give me the evil brother of Jack Tunney. Jack Tunney's evil brother, Mike Tunney. I'll leave that with you. Yeah, Jack Tunney making Yokozuna wrestle twice is very mean. Because he has poor cardio? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yokozuna <laughs> is going to be knackered five minutes into the first match. You think? Yeah, it's not fair. Well, this isn't well, fair to your care. Well, 
what if Yoko paced himself in that first match? Like, really, really, really paced himself. Well, the only way Yoko could pace himself would be to lie down. Well, or I mean, sit well, still for an hour. I mean, he, he could apply like three nerve holds in one match, potentially. <laughs> That's That would be one hell of a WrestleMania match, just a nerve hold. I, w I wonder if it plays out that way. We'll find out. We will see. Now, here's what I, here's what I got from this segment. This is the most unrealistic-looking office ever. <laughs> it's just gray paneling right at Tony's back with, like, a bunch of awards hung up behind him, including a golden video cassette award non-theatrical. <laughs> Look at it. It's there. <laughs> Go on, Tony. What a weird collection of awards for Tony. <laughs> you got the award for best stung of a trophy case. That's hanging behind them. <laughs> I didn't Best like how you show, weirdly. <laughs> Best hygiene. <laughs> Most weird, improved order. Weird of the year. That's weird. All right. <laughs> you do you, Tuddy. It is my decision that I have a nice ass. <laughs> Furthermore, yours isn't <laughs> as nice as mine. Thank you. Furthermore, my milkshake <laughs> brings all the boys to the yard. <laughs> 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 There's a visual. John, no, John, stand down, stand down, John, stand down. <laughs> we're we're exercising good taste tonight. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. at this point that he did, Tony also informs us that both world title matches at WrestleMania will have guest referees that we don't know who they're going to be. But he says all parties have agreed to the stipulation. Right, remember that bit. Remember that bit where they say all parties agree. But now, here, why would they blindly agree to having these officials for a match? They don't even know who they're going to be. Imagine, imagine explain, Jim Cornette, who always fancies himself as a great manager. Like, imagine going to Jim Cornette and saying, oh, can you sign this? It's so, uh, it's so you know there'll be special guest referees for the main events at WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, cool, I'll sign it. Who are they, they going to be? Oh, we're not telling you, but can you sign it and agree anyway? <laughs> no. He signs it, okay. And it comes around and says, oh, oh, it's Jim Heard twice. <laughs> <laughs> I heard what you said about me in the shoot interviews. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like, it's no wonder there's no union in this company. <laughs> exactly. Like they're they're, signing, they're signing rubbish like this. It's like a boxer from the 50s. Sure, I'll sign anything. <laughs> Whatever my agent wants me to. I'll do whatever. <laughs> so, so we go back to the match. It's poor Miguel Rosado has been standing there since the beginning of time. Now, Even isn't this guy now a character on Orange is the New Black? I thought he was a stocky or primo. 
So I'm sure there is a character in Orange is the New Black called... There is. There is. There's a character in Orange is the New Black called Miguel Rosado. Well, it's kind of a common Spanish name, isn't it? Miguel's Michael. Miguel's a pretty common name. So one would assume Miguel would be a pretty common name as well. I suppose. <laughs> I mean, as a... Can you make, it could be anything on that show. Alistair is the other black. I suppose. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm half asleep. Don't no, no, don't you worry. You're all good. You rock on. <laughs> I'm half punchy at this point. So it's Bam Bam Bigelow versus Miguel Rosado from Alistair is the other black. And uh, Iris is still mad about Janetti punching him, so the kid can upscound with the briefcase. Iris tells us that he will pull some strings in Washington to get his match with Janetti. How does that work? Oh, he's IRS, isn't he? he, he it, it, although, it, he, it's the thing is, like the department that he knows in Washington couldn't help him anyway. That's like saying, I need to... It's like saying, I need to sort my garden out, but I know somebody that works at, at a bakery. But there's a garden center next door. But I know someone at the bakery, they might be able to help me out. No, they won't, because it's not their world. <laughs> I mean, he's trying to work on the fact that, it's like, okay, we get it. You're a tax man. You wear suspenders. You carry a briefcase. You speak in a monotone. I don't know how natural that is. It's like, you know, you've had three years of reinforcement. We, we get it. Tax man. Got it. He says, like, I'll pull some reason to Washington. Okay, we get it. You know, you know you're... Or we're doing a one-note gimmick here. But, but Bam Bam here, he's just having his usual squash match. He gets this great throwing scoop slam on Rosado at one point, where he just throws him like he's, like he's trying to knock out a stealing light. Iris chooses this match to stumble over his topical references, including uh, the Clintons and Janet Jackson. Hey, Vince. He's playing Mad Libs himself. I reference... Janet Jackson's boat. What do you think of Janet Jackson's boat? <laughs> There's no uh, smoothness whatsoever. It is a very bumpy road trying to get these news stories out. Yeah, they're, they're desperately trying to shoe on them in anywhere they can. And, and even Bam Bam is so bored by this turn of events, he just finished it with a falling headbutt instead of going to the top rope. Because he's, he's just trying to get out of here at this point. And that would be that match. There you go. Jobs are good. And thanks for coming, Bam Bam. Bam Bam, the only the one highlight from this bit, I thought, Bam Bam, who threw Miguel, did this body slam that almost cleared the ring. It was incredible. Yeah, he he got that bump in or, or that spot in, and it was, uh, it was a nice visual. It justified the match in and of itself, I guess. But speaking of justify... Tom, it's time for the coin toss. Oh, here we go. It's coin toss o'clock, baby. And boy, do we have some luminaries here for this one. We blooming well do. I'd, I was hoping you would run through the rogues gallery. Uh, I that sure is in can. The ring. Excellent. So Vince is in the ring. He has Jack Tunney with him. And staying behind the two of them, are, they're flanked by five men in suits who are all against the ropes as if they're about to do a Rockets kick line. It is Billy Red Lions. Arnold Scotland, Blackjack Lanza, Dave Hebner, and Tony Gurria. Only only two of whom are in the Hall of Fame. Wow, what a group of lads. This was the non-Patterson and Briscoe version of the Stooges. <laughs> I've seen younger faces on cash. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, so Vince runs through the entire room. You know, spiel here. They've gone through like three times on the show so far. So the coin toss, you know, Luger wins, uh, Brad's got face out when Luger's first shot. Blah, blah, blah. Well, and Tiny's just like, yeah, sure, Vince. He's just, he's just, he's just playing along with what, what Vince says at this point. So, <laughs> in the most priceless bit of this show, Vince has Tony hold up the coin. It is a U.S. silver dollar. So it's a good, a good size coin here. And he has him show the camera. There's no trickery here. There is a heads and there is a tails. Just to verify, you're not going to screw anybody over here. 
And after they show the camera both sides of the coin, they pan back out. Finn's getting ready to introduce Luger. And very clearly on camera, Tunney stuffs the coin down his sleeve and for, in order to produce another one before somebody in the truck realizes, hey, maybe we shouldn't be showing this part. And they cut away from it. <laughs> Tunney on the take, Tunney. Conspiracy <laughs> <was> theory. <laughs> This was the original you had one job meme. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you just, you see it all play out right there. There is no subtlety. There is no sleight of hand. There is sleight of nothing. <laughs> so, Le- so Lex comes out, mixed reaction. Brett comes out, out pops Luger like three to one. So they're in the ring now. They cut their uh, babyface promos. Lex calls heads while the coin's in the air because now uh, Tony's produced a two-headed coin but no matter what, Lex can't lose um, given his, his booking at this point he probably could have lost that too but yes, it is a heads Lex will face Yoko first and Brett's got to face Owen the best part of this and I, and I, I mean it's in the opposite of sarcasm is when Brett kind of hangs his head a little bit when he has to face the music now He's wanted to avoid facing Owen this entire time. He does not want to tear the family apart, but now he has no choice. You don't have to face him. He's back into a corner now. Here's the thing about Lex Luger's reaction to the coin toss. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Lex Luger is really excited that he won the coin toss. He is. Surely... Winning the coin toss is the worst case scenario because you have to defeat Yokozuna, right? Who is a monster. You have to win the belt from Yokozuna and then you have to defend the belt against Bret Hart later on that night after fighting Yokozuna, running the risk of becoming the shortest champion ever. Well, I do agree with you. I think but the one thing that could save... Luger's reaction here, in terms of making it more genuine, is that Lex would bet on himself to win both matches, no matter what. That's true. I think he's just happy to be, because he wants to face Yoko no matter what to avenge SummerSlam. You know when he, when Yoko forced him to celebrate under balloons when he didn't have to. <laughs> so he's yeah. So maybe he, maybe he'll win again. Maybe this time he'll win properly. And for Lex, this is a very big occasion because on the show, he can be not only a dirty non-American, but he can also beat Yokozuna. Oh, cheeky. Well, I'm just saying, that's the only foreigner of the three. <laughs> so Lex is excited to face Brett. Brett and Brett, while lamenting having to face Owen, uh, he, you know, he, he, he talks Luger up, they big each other up here. And play the WrestleMania thing, which makes me happy. I, I like this overall. Like, it's a very different way of arranging WrestleMania, isn't it? It definitely is. Although, what was the point of having those five officials standing there in the background? Just to make it look official. Officials make it look officials. <laughs> I hope they all had to drive through this. I hope they all had to drive through the snow in the dead of winter just to attend that segment. <laughs> Can you turn up at Raw just to stand still? Well, I live about seven hours away. Great, we'll see you later. (laughs) Gerald Briscoe is supposed to be here tonight. (laughs) Can't see out the windshield, Mr. Mac, man. (laughs) Just hurry up and get here. I need you to stand still. (laughs) Hey, Tom, they played your favorite commercial. Oh, they did indeed. Ugly guy, an attractive woman, but the ugly guy's like, I don't want to talk to you. No. Oh, the wrestling's on. Hate this so much. It might remind us of a few people we know. I think it's too close to home. Yeah, that's, that's the problem. It's yeah. just. I have a hot <laughs> wife that I ignore as well. Oh, that's why it's too close to home. <laughs> Well, speaking of hot, here comes Quang. <laughs> that is the only time that sentence has ever been uttered. Thinking, speaking of hot, here comes Quang. 
<laughs> Quang makes his Raw debut against Ramblin' Rich Myers, who may be the father of Brian Myers, a.k.a. Kurt Hawkins. I don't know for sure. Quang's hometown, for those keeping score at home, is the Orient. <laughs> that is fake. From the Americas. Well, it's like Kobe Kingston made from Ghana, West Africa. That's like saying, from America, West Hemisphere, weighing in at... Like, just say a city. Have him be from... He could be from Bangkok. See, it's a funny sounding name. You could have gone with that, Vim. Oh, yeah. Bangkok! <laughs> I'm a genius. <laughs> now it's Val Venus is a ninja. <laughs> from so, the Orient. But yes, this is Savio Vega under a mask, uh, playing a half Power Ranger mini boss, half Great Muda. This was a weird flex. For Savio Vega. Well, I think I think what happened was they told him he could do karate kicks and decided that's it. He's a ninja. <laughs> can you do a ninja gimmick now, please? Yes, I can. Well, I mean, I, if you're wearing a mask, it's basically just carny for he's not Asian. It's <laughs> true. I think it's the only foreign bad guy that was not played by Jack Victor. <laughs> no, sorry, That's sorry, a foreign, callback. Sorry, foreign mass bad guy. I knew what you meant. I knew what you meant. <laughs> so Savio's picking new ground here. Here's the thing, right, with this with this debut match. So it's Quang and Rich Myers. So this is the first time we've seen Quang, isn't it? More, more, other than the Rumble. Other than the Rumble, this is the first time we've seen Quang. So now is a good time where commentary can, you know, put a bit of meat on the bone. And, sure. and talk us through what Quang's about, really pull him over. No, 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 no. This is the time where we get Owen Hart on the phone to talk about his his match that's just been signed with Bret Hart. Now, I know the Owen Hart bit needed to happen. I think it was important that they did that, and it was good. But you, you're debuting a guy. Mm -hmm. Put a bit of love into that guy. Yes, it was very important for Owen to call in from the production truck. But for the time... Oh, yes, I. Well, in fairness, Quang, Quang hasn't gotten very many vignettes at this point, has he? It wasn't like Jarrett, where they have had him up for like two months and debuted him on Raw, and he's selling for the jobber, and Sean and Vince are going off about whatever else. So this is a little, a little more innocent, but still, you might want to, you know, hype this guy up a little bit more. You know, he, he's a guy doing these cool-looking kicks. Yeah, because he's a different character. Feels very different. And speaking of kicks, that's he throws a lot of kicks in this match. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of kicks. He is a kick man. He was the original young buck. He really he was. He was having his own uh, Savio kick party. <laughs> Thrust your crescent kick party since he's a uh, crescent evil, kick party. Evil foreign foreign heel from the late eighties, early nineties. They throw crescent kicks, savant kicks. <laughs> savant kick party. See, that's where Savio comes from, savant. Of course, you, of course, you have the arm thrust also. Well, IRS, and when you're going to talking, IRS tells him, says, tell him, Owen. Owen says, that's right, IRS. Which is the only time you'll ever hear that change in any, in any walk of life. <laughs> Quang finishes with, get this, a super kick. I know, right? I was surprised he pulled out a kick. He was quite subtle about the kicks in this match. Iris tells us that he thinks Quang might be handsome under that mask. <laughs> uh, at least, well, look, it was nice to hear Iris say something other than tax-related jokes. <laughs> it's just, it was during commercial, Vince Hammond noted this. It said, show more personality, it be jovial and fun. <laughs> so Iris decided now's a good time to discuss the cosmetic side of Quang. <laughs> He's a total cutie pie. <laughs> I wish he'd said that. He's cute. <laughs> I wonder what he's like under the mask. He's dreamy. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly IRS just becomes like a teenage girl. <laughs> 
he's laying down uh, on his stomach with his elbows on the ground and his fists <laughs> on a broken chin. Like, everyone's going to call me after school. <laughs> I love Quang. He's dreamy. <laughs> now we get the WrestleMania report with Todd Pentengill all dressed up in WrestleMania gear. Is he looking like an absolute <laughs> fan? I can't read the full sentence of what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> but, but, um, I'll just say what it rhymes with. I, I put, nice hat and jacket, punt face. <laughs> you know what, right? I watched Todd, I watched Todd Pettengill in this scene, right? And I, and Todd, Todd Pettengill is, is, overall, he's a nice guy, but he was particularly <laughs> obnoxious at this point. And I would say, right, to the to the minority of people, to the minority of people who have given me grief on YouTube comments, saying that I try too hard, saying that I'm too jovial, saying that like I'm I'm I'm, I'm far too intense a character. You could have got Pengil, right? Tom, you, you've Tom, done well. Tom, 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 just <laughs> don't listen to those people. They're just jealous and ignorant and right and they could have guys been on my side I'm just, I'm kidding. I, I, I love you Tom you know that fair point well made but no it's true they could have got Pettingill and you could have done so you shut up as well Justin <laughs> I hope Adam hires Todd now <laughs> I hope Todd doesn't listen I love you really Todd <laughs> Except yeah. in this bit where you do come across like a putz. Or a putz face. <laughs> <laughs> now we start working in the 10 years in the making slogan, which is not accurate. It's that whole thing of, it's the 10th one, but it's not the 10th anniversary. So, so you're telling me the day your parents got married was not their first anniversary, Tom? The, the, day, the, parent, the day my parents got married was not their first anniversary. Okay, just making sure. Nope. WrestleMania at the Madison Square Garden is sold out, but you can still get Paramount Theater tickets. That would be the internal arena inside the garden. There was one called Felt Forum that seats about four or 5,000 people. They could watch the show on the big screen in there. So, oh, that's cool. It's like a big viewing party, and they, and they would sell that out back in the day for garden events. I like I that idea as a thing. And I, I, I will say, it's funny that you mentioned it because come WrestleMania Sunday, Paramount Theater will play host to a very significant WrestleMania moment. Even though it just seems like it's just a big viewing party room and nothing more, you know, it's like, you know, we're not going to be in the actual arena where all the stuff goes down, but this is just as good. Yeah. Randy Savage, and I'm jumping ahead two months here, so don't mind me. Randy Savage, after he wins his match at WrestleMania, celebrates for a bit in felt form, Paramount Theater there, and that's Savage's last WrestleMania appearance takes place in that room. Oh, really? So that's actually significant. Honestly, I wouldn't mind having those uh, tickets just to be there for Savage's final mania moment. Oh. So Tom backs... I'm uh, sorry, Todd, not Tom. Toy, Todd. You could have got Todd. <laughs> Todd backs sells the coin toss like because he's a typical radio hack. He knows what he's doing. Back selling. So... We, we have three matches for Mania now. Luger, Yoko, Brett Owen, and Champion versus Brett. <laughs> <laughs> now, far be it from me to take umbrage and question anything that they say on these shows as being inaccurate. But Todd tells us that you will see two championship matches at WrestleMania, which is unprecedented. What the hell do you think happened last year? What oh, you yeah. doing the big Bret Literally Hart. last year we had two title matches, didn't we? And then the big bald guy who they don't talk about anymore because he's on the outs with him usurps a spot for Merka and beats the big Asian guy. Actually, yeah, it's true. And he'd faced he'd faced an opponent, a suitable opponent, just a few hours before. He faced IRS and Ted DiBiase. <laughs> You see, based Teddy Biasi and, and apparently a cardboard cutout, <laughs> based on what we've seen on this show so far. <laughs> so I wonder whether they watched that WrestleMania and went, "Can we do that from last year, but spread it out a bit more?" And then just retcon it, exactly like it's, it's <laughs> brand new. 
exactly. Everything that's old is new again. And then we go to some complete mental insanity. We have a special look at The Undertaker with a faded graphic. Oh, I was going to say, the, the bit that killed me when I watched this was the fact that The Undertaker's um, little title card graphic was slightly faded. Because <laughs> he's dead now. <laughs> like, because that's what could you imagine? Right? Imagine, like, any sort of in tribute to where the guy is faded. <laughs> It's unnecessary. I mean, remember the Simpsons episode with the power plant softball team? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when at the very end, they had the team photo and they had faded Ozzy Smith up in the corner as he fell down the mystery spot. <laughs> <laughs> That's Undertaker. That's Undertaker. Uh, or John. Undertaker ah. falls down the Springfield mystery spot. You John can keep an Ozzy Smith uniform, I don't care. <laughs> So, this special look at The Undertaker with the faded graphic, the tribute to a dead guy, as Paul Bearer yells at a fog machine out in the cemetery. But did you notice that as, as Paul Bearer was talking, saying that like, The Undertaker is always with us, my eye caught on the right one of the big stone <laughs> pillars and The Undertaker's shadow on it. You sure it was Undertaker? Well, it, it could have been Brian Lee. It could have been Slash. <laughs> could have been any tall man in a hat. <laughs> it's Abraham Lincoln zombie hunter. <laughs> it's honest, day, isn't it? It could be anything. We don't know. I just, I, I maybe wrongfully just jumped to the conclusion that it was, it was our, our boy Taker. Well, well, we assume it's Taker, but it really could be anybody else. It could just be. I mean, it could be, you know, an Amish Marty Jannetty. Because <laughs> that was that was the one that technically floated up to heaven, wasn't it? <laughs> I think so. Greetings, brethren. I've stolen a briefcase. <laughs> it has chains in it. Briefcases are the devil. Get out of the way. We carry all our important things in our hands. <laughs> and then we go bowling with Woody Harrelson. <laughs> But the, Paul, the, the takeaway from this segment was Paul Bearer saying that The Undertaker will return. And he said he will never rest in peace, which is why he works all the salty shows. <laughs> I can't even get a month off. <laughs> as long as we do shows in Saudi Arabia, I will never rest in peace. <laughs> Apparently at one point, Tigger got in like... He's like a realtor, like he would buy property and, and, and it fixes up with his partner. Picture Taker in like a blazer, trying to sell somebody a house. <laughs> That's a good look. There's the master bedroom where you can rest That's... in peace. I often thought they missed the trick by not having him uh, advertise for like Motel 6. <laughs> we'll leave the light on for you. <laughs> where you can rest in peace. <laughs> He's the new Tom Bodette. <laughs> he plays a happy uh, violin music while Tinker talks. The light on. <laughs> so we have a special return in our next match. It is Jobber Corey's student. Hey, we haven't seen him in a few months. Corey's back. Oh, he's facing the earthquake. <laughs> who, who, I'm, who I'm always happy to see because John Tent is a pretty cool guy. But this seemed like a weird return. Like... And again, this is part of the joy of being in this sort of new generation era where it's it's a couple of new guys and there's a couple of the old guard that they're leaning on a little bit and Earthquake is back as part of that system, apparently. Yeah, it's a little unusual to see him back here at this point, although he's only been gone for a year. But still, it is Earthquake and the crowd kind of uh, it doesn't react to him very much on this show. What was interesting that, that I was reading, apparently... He was part of a dark match on these tapings when Brett beat Sean in the one-on-one match. And Sean had Diesel in his corner. Earthquake came out to neutralize Diesel's interference. And that's how they brought him back. I assume what they, I assume why they did that was just that he was a baby fit so that when he came out for this match, the crowd would cheer for him because ah, he helped Brett. okay. But the crowd, unfortunately, is kind of lukewarm at this point. 
Yeah, they're not. They're not. They were. They were. They were respectful to him. He got like a a reaction, but um, they weren't like mad for him. I'll tell you who was happy was one kid in the crowd who had the most unusual clapping form I've ever seen in my life. He held one hand up like he was staring at like a message written on his hand, and he was like slapping it with the other <laughs> hand. I didn't see this kid, but I'm now intrigued to go back and watch it. You do that while I describe what happened in this match. Okay. Let's watch him quick make this entrance. All right, okay, I'm on it. Okay, so we're informed at this point that we have Marty Jannetty versus IRS on next week's show. The, the playoff will happen earlier on the, early in the night. Quake gets this cool backbreaker at one point where he does the side rib breaking backbreaker thing where you drop the guy's side rib cage on your knee. Then you pick him up and drop him back down again. Then you do it a third time, something you don't see very often. Quake at this point is busting out some offense that you don't really see from him, including the Jesse Ventura body breaker, followed by a running hooking clothesline. 450 pound man doing that. That looked good. <laughs> not for Corey's student. Oh, no, not for him. He had a terrible time. <laughs> he's going to mess his pants. <laughs> Vince plugs Dangerous Heart, which sounds like a very interesting movie. Um, IMDb, if you want. Quake, for some reason, chooses to bitch slap Corey's student in the corner. Vince informs that the student is being squashed. I guess in more ways than one. Then Quake finishes with his usual sequence, the old power slam, followed by the tremors and the vertical splash. Earthquake is back, kids. And he looks like he hasn't missed a beat. He looks exactly the same, doesn't he? Which is fine. It's like a warm bath. I'm just watching the entrance that Earthquake makes. Oh, yeah, there Look. he is. It's like, oh, oh, bless that kid. Looks like he's never clapped before. <laughs> And he looks a bit, he looks a bit bored. <laughs> but Earthquake looks great. Earthquake looks like he's, he looks exactly the same. I was about to ask, was that possibly time-traveling Jack there? It could have been. Could have very <laughs> I mean, possibly been, my friend. Seems very confused. So after Earthquake finishes off Corey's student, we go backstage. Where Razor and Marty are standing in front of some nice wood paneling. Because it's a technically like a ski resort. So did, they kind leave, of... did they leave Raw and go straight skiing? I presume that's what they did. Well, they might have. It's quite possible. I mean, it's January. It's got to be snow everywhere on the mountains. Marty gets this incredible line as he's arguing with IRS on the split screen. After a very uneven promo, which even Razor's emoting can't really bail out, Marty says... You can take that to the bank and steal it from yourself. <laughs> it's like a line from a door song. It's just, I mean, it's it's Marty. I, I can't really, I guess it's kind of unexpected with Marty. It's a, yeah, it's a strange, um, it was all right. We, we, we've got some stuff set up for next week, so that's fine. Yes, next week's show we have Sparky Plug. His friends call him Sparky anyway. Vince takes time to remind us of that. Owen's going to be in action, as are the smoking guns. And, of course, Janetti and IRS. Crowd chants Irwin just to annoy Scheister at ringside. And at this point, the Scheister finally realizes that it was Kid that stole his briefcase because he's just now seen the replay of it. Did you not chase him down to the ring? Surely he must have known. But anyway. And that's this week's show. What did we make of it? Um, I think they may have jumped the shark on skis at this point. <laughs> it really built up the coin as being the big draw of the show, and it really wasn't. It wasn't much other than just telling us what the big, what three matches mean were going to be. Yeah, it did. It was a unique setup. For WrestleMania, I'll give you that much. It was like a unique format, the whole coin toss bit. And it was, but it just—it wasn't really, you know, to, enough to sustain the show, which just felt very bland. Otherwise, even Marty versus Polo felt basic. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I thought, like, I thought that about their match. It was they've their their one before it was better. Yeah, this is a, 
kind of just a flat show here, really. Just a little bit. But hey, look, let's let's get the important job done, which is putting IRS on the crush Heenan scale oh, of whoa, commentators. Whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. See, that scale doesn't exist anymore. We have to rename it now. Oh, another rename? Is it that bad? This is like the 24-7 belt where it, ch it changes hands uh, <laughs> randomly. Barla had it for a little bit, but, now, but, but Crush gave him the old cream crunch, took it from Irish, just waffled dry abs with a briefcase and took his title. The IRS, the, uh, the, the one redeeming factor that I would give to IRS is that during the coin flip, he didn't talk. Whereas Crush, when he was left on his own, was there going, oh, I hate both these guys, brother. Da, 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 da. Uh, IRS just shut up. Even during the well, entrances, didn't talk. Well, Chris was, that, was at least perversely entertaining in his own way because he was doing it all in character. Uh, brother. True. <laughs> and also, it's probably a sad indictment of a guy when the best part of your commentary is when you don't talk. Mm, yes, it's, uh, it's like when Bartlett shut up during the Flair Perfect Loser Leaves match. There you go. Okay, so are we renaming it the IRS Heenan Scale? Yes, the Shyster Heenan Scale. The Shyster Heenan Scale. Congratulations, IRS. You've made it. You're booked, kiddo. And Shyster might hold on to this title until Mongo does guest commentary on Raw next year. But we've got Donovan coming up as well. Well, that's just King of the Ring, but we could... We, oh, actually, yeah, that's true. Well, we could make... Actually, you know what? Let's just... How about we just preemptively call it the Donovan Heenan scale? <laughs> no, we've got to get to it before we do. we want to make that call when we get there. Are you saying it could have possibly gotten better over time? Do you know what? He might age like a fine wine. It's like uh, it's like the room in that sense where it gained appreciation passing year. <laughs> it could do. It could. It could be It could be the, the commentary equivalent of the room, Art Donovan. But hey, look, that's that's down the road. We haven't got that yet. yet. But uh... Lisa, how much does this guy weigh? <laughs> You're tearing me apart. Are we acting? Are these guys acting? <laughs> Is he really hurt? So, Monster, how's your sex life? <laughs> On that bombshell, as we career towards WrestleMania 10, he is at JRH writing. I am at Tom Campbell. Together, we are at Cultaholic. Do not forget to join us. John, you've had an easy night. So can you please put IRS's head on a pterodactyl? Thank you very much. I love you. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Podcasts from.